So I am thrilled to have Sunil join us on the show so we can get into why, how, what Dancing with Wisdom is all about and how it can help us live more fulfilling and balanced lives. It's, it's that never-ending story that the things we think that will bring us out, we just actually don't do it like that. Welcome to the Leverage Business Podcast, where we believe business success is about working smarter, not harder. Leveraging your time and expertise in ways that fit the digital age you and your clients live in today. I'm your host, Jay Allison, author of Leverage Consulting in the Digital Age and founder of the iSuccess Business Academy. And every episode, I'll be sharing insights into how you can apply the power of leverage to grow your consulting, coaching, or other expert services business and create true freedom and independent success with mindset, marketing, and money model breakthroughs. Because when you get leveraged, the sky's the limit. Let's go for it. Hello, everyone. I am joined today by an amazing guest, Dr. Sunil Raheja, a practicing psychiatrist for over 25 years. So I better watch myself. <laughs> and author of Dancing with Wisdom. And we're going to dig into what that actually means. And Sunil is also a coach and a fellow podcaster. And we actually met, though, through our business acceleration program. Whenever I speak to Sunil or hear him speak in our masterminds, it's always a chance to explore some of the deeper issues we often push aside when we're going about our busy lives, managing workloads, and also when we're kind of talking about business and business growth. Um, we, we need to bring the human side into it. And I'm always welcoming Sunil's perspective on that. So I wanted to bring some of his wisdom to you listeners here, because I know from working with busy business owners, often we're outwardly successful, but in private life, our health relationships are taking a back seat. And I've had this in my own experience, can manifest itself in burnout, acute sort of mental and physical pain. And we've talked about this in previous episodes. It's kind of a hint that things aren't quite where you want them to be. And what can we do about it? And so I've had some wonderful pre-interview conversations with Sunil about this area, and I'm really thrilled to have him join us on the show. I want to get into why, how, what Dancing with Wisdom is all about and how it can help us live more fulfilling and balanced lives. So Sunil, welcome to the Leveraged Business Podcast. It's great you're here. Jay, and thank you so much. It's a great privilege to be here, and I'm pretty excited to have this conversation with you as well. Thank you. Awesome. So we're going to find out a little bit about you as we go through the interview. But first, I want to start with something quite pertinent to my focus working with busy entrepreneurs and businesses, the whole challenge of achieving a good work-life balance or life balance, especially when you're intent on business growth, as I said in the intro. So in our initial chat about the podcast and this interview, you raised it in your book too, of course. You talk about the situation where we're outwardly successful and yet in private, something's not right. Those are actually your words. And after a time, how that manifests in our sense of dis-ease and uh, it creeps up on us, doesn't it? So how does that equate to dancing with wisdom? You know, why wisdom? Can you unpack what you mean by yes. that? Yeah, no, great question, Jay. I think, as you, as you said, you know, I've worked as a psychiatrist for many years. I've worked with some people who appear very successful on the outside. And yet when you look behind the front stage image, it's something quite different. And to be honest with you, I've been there myself. People have looked at me and said, oh, you know, you must have it all. And when I turned 36, uh, that was very much the place where I was at. This disconnect between my outward, as it were, apparent success and what was really going on behind. And I think 
one of the issues that we have is we think that you know if if I achieve my business success, if I'm making my millions, if I'm having you know if I get my book out, if I get everything done as I see it, then I will arrive and I'll get that satisfaction, I'll get that significance that I long and yearn for. And what you begin to find is that no matter how far you reach or how far you get, there's always somebody ahead of you. And there's always something more to do. And it's always the next thing, the next thing. And you begin to realize, oh, it's not what I thought it was. You know, and that could be in the business world. It could be in terms of relationships. It could be in terms of anything, really. And I think what gradually dawned over me over a period of time is that actually what you need more than anything else is, is, is wisdom. Um, and when I talk about wisdom, what I'm saying is it's, if you like, how to, as it were, master life in the fullest sense of the word. You know, wisdom is it's, it's, it's a bit like a diamond. You can look at it from different angles and from different facets. And I use loads of different definitions, but like they're timeless truths that connect you to the best version of who you are and who you long to be. If science is, is organized knowledge, then wisdom is an organized life in the fullest sense of the word. Um, and what does it mean? You know, as, as you said, you know, it, what does it mean to fully be integrated as a human being? So that, that your front stage and your backstage are in harmony with each other rather than this, this kind of disconnect, that you're one person in one place and another person in another place. But how can you, you know, the phrase is the rich simplicity of being yourself wherever you are. Those kind of things are priceless because, you know, we live in a world that's so connected, but also where there's so much loneliness as well. And there's the loneliness of success. There's loneliness of that is I can't put my, I can't take, take the mask off and say, actually, I don't know what to do. I'm, I'm struggling. I'm, you know, I'm, I'm frustrated, I'm angry. Where's the safe spaces within which to explore that? Because if I'm too open about myself, then it might make other people feel uncomfortable. And I think that's why we're on this path of wisdom. Because in the past, we've sort of said, you know, if I make my millions, if I have enough information, if I get the training, if I get the accolades, if, if I get that success, or however you define, then I will finally be able to rest and think, great, got it now and I've arrived. And yet, it's 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 that never-ending story that the things we think that will bring us out just actually don't do it like that we've got to start from within and then go out yeah yeah and to do that it sounds like you're saying we need to be vulnerable and to at least start to open that vulnerability with others with, in, with the right people yeah. <laughs> that's the key thing the safe spaces within which to do it so you've got to be very mm. careful about that as well mm. yeah. no i love that one of the early quotes in your book that really struck a chord with me was Marcel Proust. Is that yeah. how you say it? Um, who actually, yeah. he's an early 20th century French writer responsible for what's officially the longest novel in the world, uh, A la recherche de temps perdu, In Search of Lost Time, which just, I think it has a million, I've got the word, I've got the number here, 1,267,069 words in it double those of war and peace and that aside he wrote we do not receive wisdom we must discover it for ourselves and that really struck me and after a journey through the wilderness which no one can make for us which no one can spare us tell me a little bit about that well i think in a sense it's it's very much about the fact that why do we come to wisdom we come to wisdom because we hit something that we don't know we haven't got the skills the resources to get out of and if we've been very successful or achieved a lot in our lives, to admit that actually I don't know what to do next or that I'm literally flying by the seat of my pants feels incredibly risky. And that's, in a sense, that sense of, of loneliness. And, and what some people try to do, they just try to toughen it up and just 
battle through and they try to ignore that. And sometimes they can rise above it. Sometimes they don't. But really, I think it is in terms of coming to our own vulnerability and actually seeing that I need help from outside. It takes courage to say that I need I, I need outside help. I, I need support. I, I haven't got all the answers. And I think we're at a stage in history and in our world where that's even more the case. You know, there's this myth of the of the self-made man or woman. Okay, you know, I, I just did it through gritting my teeth all by myself. Well, actually, the reality is that again, true success is always always a team effort. It always requires a community around you. No one is really successful by themselves. Yeah. Uh, and it's acknowledging that and seeing that it's actually we are interconnected and we need one another as well. Yeah. So we don't want to find ourselves in the wilderness. But yeah. Well, that's right. Because but when you deny that, then you're then living a facade, basically, and you're trying to pretend that you can do it yourself and you've got it all together. But actually, that makes you lonelier and lonelier as well. Yeah. And I, I think the important thing for me was how that then shows up in terms of your health and well-being, mental yeah. and physical. I mean, you must see so many uh, versions of this kind of disease that 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 people get into this burnout. You know, it's a common term that we call it now. We sort of wrap it into. But I'd I'd love to get a, a take really from your own experience because when you when we first spoke and in your book, of course, you share your story about discovering wisdom for yourself, and it's in the book um, which I read after we talked. And I really love that story. What the trigger was for you? Oh, in terms of Bunty's death, you might. My friend who died, yeah, suddenly. I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. My, yeah. I mean, yes, because in, in a sense, that that was one of those very surreal experiences. Um, you know, I, I, uh, Abhishek Banerjee Bunty, sort of, is his nickname. Um, I'd known him for about ten years, and then he 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 moved to into here in the UK, and then he moved to India and got married. And I was in India in the last week of his life, and you know, we, we'd had some quite deep conversations with each other, and I think we'd met on the Saturday night. And he'd done some things like he'd given a gift to my uh, one of my daughters of an SLR camera. I'd just been talking to him about the fact that she was into photography and suddenly he produces this SLR camera and says he wants her to have it as a gift, which was a little bit embarrassing, you know, and we, we sort of talked about that. And and I had an uncle who was um, uh, he was getting very elderly and, and he'd, he'd always said, once he'd always said to me, you know, think of me as your taxi driver when you come to India. You know, this is before the days of Uber and things like that. You know, think of me as your taxi driver and I'll take you around and we can, we can chat on the way and, and things like that. And I said to him on, on the, could he take me to my uncle on the Saturday? And he, he rang me on the Friday saying, sorry, I can't. And I'd said to him, well, I'm not sure if I really want to take the hassle because, you know, in India, getting to places can be a, a real pain. You know, I think I had to take two taxis and it was in the middle of nowhere. And then he said to me, he said, well, you said to me earlier in the week, Sunil, that um, your uncle's getting very old and it might be the last time that you see him. And I said, no, you're absolutely right. I'll, I'll make my own arrangements. Don't worry. And you sort of think nothing of it. And then, well, you know, he, he, I think he had some kind of premonition something was going to happen because he said to me on the Saturday, when you come to England, I want you to ring me, which is really a bizarre thing to say. I said, well, you know, it's going to be the middle of the night. Why should I do that? He said, no, I need you to ring me. And, you know, I came back to England. I rang. He didn't pick up. And Monday morning, he, he rings me back. Uh, I get him to talk to, to my daughter, say thank you for the camera. And we say, you know, it's, it's great to keep in touch. You know, let's let's try. I know our lives are busy. Let's keep in touch. And then that night I get a phone call from his wife and her words to me are, if someone's heart's not beating for three hours, can they still be alive? And she's rambling. And I'm just thinking, what are you talking about? And then she says to me, well, you know, I'm here in hospital and um, I'm here with Abhishek and uh, the doctors are not giving me a straight answer and the police are here. And then it just dawns on me. This friend of mine who I've known for 10 years, who's 32 years of age, 
has died. And you know that completely, you know, rocks and shakes shakes my world. And um, I, I knew his mother, and I talked to his family, and I find out the funeral's in Calcutta on on the Wednesday. I said to him, you know, it's actually it was actually my wife's birthday on on the Wednesday. I was like, I, I'm just completely shocked by this. I, and I just get, again, I've never been to Calcutta in my life. I just have this name of this place in Calcutta to go to the funeral. I just get on a plane and I fly all the way there to get to the tail end of his funeral. And you think. What is life about? You know, it just you know, it, it just completely, yeah, knocks you for six like that. Yeah, yeah. and that's kind yeah. of what started the the path for you. Well, I don't know if it started the path. I think it, it's it's that realization that there's so much more to life than what we get ourselves het up about and get mm. so preoccupied with. And this life that we've got is is a gift. I never asked to be born. I never asked to be born in the family that I was born in. And, you know, and it can be snuffed out just like that. And for me, that, you know, that's why I called it the book, you know, the, the, the tagline to the book is a sacred quest to restore meaning, purpose and fun to your life and work. And sacred, I deliberately choose the word because it, it implies that something that's, that's holy, that's something very, very precious about the life we've got, that we've got. And, you know, in, in the book, you know, it's very much, connecting with the divine source of who we are and where we come from because if we haven't got that as it were eternal perspective and an infinite perspective in our life and there's so much that just, just doesn't make sense there's so much that just you know i think as macbeth talks about you know a tale told by an idiot full of sound and fury signifying nothing mm. and yet everything within us says it, it can't be there's as much we must must be more than this and when you have a friend who you know and and the circumstances within which bunty's death happened the fact that, you know, I should have, of all the times that I should have chosen to go to India, I should choose to go in the last week of his life. The fact that we should have these conversations that were so surreal and so poignant and him talking about, you know, never imagining it, that, that this is what would happen in what appeared to be a healthy young man. Mm. Um, makes you question, you know, what am I living for? What are the things of eternal value that actually will last? And, you know, in fame, accolade, applause, doesn't last i mean you know am i doing this just to gratify my own ego what i'm doing or am, am i really doing that, that that this life this precious life that we've got how can it really be impactful and you know what kind of legacy am i leaving who am i becoming you know I mean, the, the four vital questions coming relating doing and leaving who am i becoming how do i relate to others what is the work that i'm called to do that no one else can do and what is the legacy that i'm leaving for the people who come after me uh, for my family for others but also in terms of the big picture of things, I think one of the big, how can I put it, challenges that we have in our secular world that we live in that tells us that just focus on, on yourself, just, just make your millions, if you like, and, and get that success, is what it's saying is that when you die, nobody says this because, because it's too painful to, to confront. So when you die, you just stop existing. And that's it, finito, the end. And yet that's a very much a very secular, atheistic worldview, which Nobody wants to think deeply about it because if you think too deeply about it, it's just too depressing. Whereas actually, I think the alternative is so much more enriching that we're here for a purpose and we have an eternal destiny. We're, we are human beings with a spiritual existence or spiritual beings with a human existence, but there is so much more to life than what we can see, touch, or experience. And I think that's where wisdom takes you. It's you start off with, with a sense of your own vulnerability and a sense that there are things that you can't sort out and you don't know what to do with. But actually, it then 
makes you think, well, I think it was Einstein who said that the most important question that we ask ourselves is, do I live in a friendly or a hostile universe? And I think what wisdom ultimately says to you that actually at the heart of the universe is a relationship with, if you like, God, infinite intelligence, if you want, if you want another definition, infinite intelligence that, that understands and knows everything far more than we could ever and who ultimately loves us and cares for us. Now, as, as a disciple of Christ, I've come to the conclusion that, that that's in the person of Christ, God incarnate in the form of Jesus Christ, who has loved us so much and has chosen to die for us. Now, that's something that you know, many of our listeners will know, and particularly in Western society, is taken for granted in terms of, oh, yes, you know, Jesus died for our sins on the cross, and that's the end of it. No, but it's the thing actually that's so rich and so deep that actually can handle the complexity and confusion and the cynicism and the pain and the anguish of, of life that, that we deal with. Maybe that's a long answer to a lot of things you said there, Jay. But, no, but I mean, it's, it, it's, it's very poignant because uh, I mean, you can go as deep as I think, you know, is comfortable for where you're at in the, in the journey, you know, as an individual. Yes. Um, and I remember in the book, the story of the, the people traveling from city A to city B, what I was picking up from what you were just saying there is the fact that you, you receive people and you see the world as you yeah. see the world. Yeah. You know? So whatever right, your, yeah. your, your internal compass yes. is, is what kind of gets reflected back. Um, and that, that, that's absolutely Explain that just for the listeners who, who are wondering what you're referring to is that we see the world. I think it's a quote from Thich Nhat Hanh is that um, we see the world not as it is, but as we actually are. So the story you're referring to is yes. that there's a man traveling from city A to city B and on his way, he meets a wise man, for want of a better word. Who, uh, and he says to him, I'm traveling from city A to city B. Tell me, what are the people in city B like? And he says, well, tell me, what are the people in city A like? And he says, oh, well, you know, they were cruel. They were nasty. They were, you know, um, vindictive. And he says, well, that's what you'll find people in city B will be like. And then he meets somebody coming the other direction from city B to city A. And, and it's the same question. What are the people in, um, in city A like? And he says, well, tell me, what are the people in city B like? Well, it's, well you know, a lot of them, they're, they're quite kind-hearted. They're generous. They're caring. Uh, they're helpful. He says, well, that's what you'll find people in city A will be like. So, you know, it, it, it's, it's, it's the mindset and, 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 our, and, and where we're at that, that we actually sort of reflect out in, into the world. Not to say that obviously there are people who are dangerous out there, and you need to, and that's why you need wisdom. Yeah, you know? and you do, you do about talk about that in, in the book as well. And I, I mean, I think it is that sense of, you know, what's in your heart. I remember years ago when my when my son was a little boy, you know, he could hardly talk. And um my my father, his granddad, would say something um yeah. maybe a little bit like cold or, or cold-hearted, and <laughs> a little yeah. little chap would say, Granddad, you need to get Jesus in your heart. <laughs> <laughs> it was so funny just you know really really small boy just coming up yeah. it was so coming funny but it's the same thing there. isn't it it's what's in your heart is what you find and, and finding the good in people or, or always seeing the negative yeah. in things I think that's what what yeah. you're speaking to and it takes a bit of brain training you know again that mindset it's not always something that comes naturally to us and I mean I know well, I mean, in the UK I mean, we we get we get shot down for kind of always sort of like somebody says how are you and you say oh not too bad <laughs> You know, we don't yes, say, oh, I'm right, great. Yeah. You know, how's, how's your day going? You know, we're not super yeah. positive. And, of course, on the other side of the yeah. pond, sometimes it's a bit sort of over the top the other way. But it is about that state of mind, state of being. It is, absolutely. And, you know, you know, you know, Jay, because, you know, I, I'll share with you is that I'm, I'm a recovering pessimist. And <laughs> for a lot of my life, I was, I was a very grouchy, 
person. And, you know, I was really pulled up short about 10, 15 years ago when my kids were little. And we had this game where we all gave each other nicknames. And to my horror, my children, one of my children, gave me the nickname Puddle Glum. Now, I don't know if you know Puddle Glum, but Puddle Glum is a character in the, in the Narnia series of, of, of books. And he's very, very basically a dour, glass half empty, pessimistic person. He's always <laughs> saying, oh, you know, to always telling about how things are bad and how they're going to get worse. Very dumb, you know, very dull and very gloomy kind of person. And I thought, oh, my goodness, my children are seeing me as this grouchy, glum, negative, cynical old man. And yeah. that really pulled me that, up that's, short. <laughs> that's not a yeah. trigger to change. So yeah, I mean, it was a huge trigger to change, yes. Like that, yeah. You talk about the, the the sort of four key questions. Um, and also, I mean, I have to say there's a massive amount of really helpful exercises in the workbook that goes with yeah. the book. And, um, you know, really stopping your tracks, make you think kind of questions. Um, and some of them are really easy to answer and others are like you're going to have to sort of think and ponder on it for a bit. So let me just give you the link um, for, for listeners if they want to go to the workbook, just while I'm on that, it's drsunil.com forward slash workbook. That's Dr. D-R Sunil, S-U-N-I-L.com forward slash workbook. Um, and I'll put it in the show notes as well. But I think sometimes we can talk about a lot of these things and we can have some really interesting discussions. Um, you know, those late at night discussions where you kind of go down the meaning of life and all of those sort of things yeah, as well. Yeah. But what I found with a lot of what you did in the book and the workbook especially was to really give people practical tools and, and, and questions that you can start to dig into this for yourself. So what's, yes. what's been the way that people have approached that in terms of the, the, the workbook, for example? What, what, are you, what are you finding people getting from that? Yeah, so I think what I've tried to so the workbook, so what I've done with the book is I've tried to be as transparent and open about my life um, and obviously with confidentiality, the different people I've worked with o- over the years and and my own spiritual journey. So reflections as a psychiatrist and my own spiritual journey and my own sort of uh, analysis of things. And what I've tried to do then is that the workbook is an opportunity by me to give you permission, as it were, to reflect on, on, on what are the unanswered questions in your own life? What are the what are the repeating patterns that you, you know, as you st- stop back and reflect and think, well, what is it that lessons that I need to learn? And I mentioned this in the book, you know, in school, we have we have the lesson and then we have the test. But in life, it's the other way around. We have a test in terms of we have recurring problems that keep coming. And until we pass the test, we never actually learn. So, you know, uh, examples would be, you know, somebody who gets into relationships and they get into a relationship and it's going really well. And they're really madly in love with someone. And they think this is fantastic. And then a few months or maybe a year or two down the line, it all goes pear-shaped. It all, it all unravels. And then they get onto another relationship, and then it's it, the pattern repeats itself because they're not learning, they're not growing through the process. And you know, reality has a way of of challenging us. And so, wisdom is really confronting with reality, unanswered questions of life, the mystery of life. And until we stop and think, you know, what is life, God, infinite intelligence, the universe trying to teach me here, we'll carry on repeating those same mistakes. And so, the workbook is is an attempt. To get you to think about your own life, as it were, and so and I have to try to give you permission to do that by trying to be as transparent and open about my own. Yeah, no, and that's and that's super helpful because it gives you some hooks as well to kind of get into this. Um, I mean, you highlight something that's pretty critical to everything else, and you know, it's something we've focused a lot on in this 
podcast and that's you know the life balance the work life balance working yeah. smarter not harder kind of thing but you talk about the mas- mastering the art of living which I thought was really yeah. a nice way of putting it you know the sense that there's no distinction between work life play and yes. and I quote to see all life as one complete whole and not a collection of competing or conflicting pursuits and that insight I found yeah. quite liberating but in a practical sense you know how do you kind of achieve that balance and and not sort of just focus on growing your business and 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 park things and go blinkered you know through yeah. life as we were talking about earlier yeah well I think one of the realize is I think one of the realizations is that I'm a whole human being you know I'm not a human doing that's the first thing one of the chapters is in the book is removing our idols and we put a we invest a lot of our energy and emotion to thinking if I get that prize as it were you know if if, if, if I get that business success if I get that achievement then I know what I've arrived the problem is and we always think that if it is that oh yes I you know I, I know people who've, who've made a lot of money and they're unhappy but I would be the exception it wouldn't be me I, 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 I'll be the exception to the rule the tragedy is I think time and time again is that no you wouldn't unless you're growing as a fully developed human being Mm. no matter what success you get there'll always be something in your life that's not going the right way or not going the way that you want it to and you've got to in a sense you know so I think LP Jack's quote is the master in the art of living makes no distinction between his work and his play his labor and his leisure his um he always pursues his vision of excellence and whatever he does leaving others to decide whether he's working or playing so the point being is that I've got to grow as a whole human being, not as it were out of kilter, you know, and that's why, you know, the people that, that I particularly seek to work with are those who are senior leaders who have achieved a degree of outward success, but they realize it's come at a cost, maybe in terms of their relationships, maybe in terms of their health, um, maybe in terms of, you know, physical or mental health. And the question, well, how do I bridge that gap? And particularly as I see a clock ticking as well, Yes. You know, I may be in my 50s or 60s, and I could carry on doing what I've always done. But, you know, there's the saying, as you do what you've always done, you'll get what you've always got. So I've got to make some decisions and key choices. And otherwise, I'm going to, I'm going to live a life of regret. Yeah, and, and again, I think that there was something else you said. I think it was a quote first, and then you layered onto it. The greatest need is not a change in circumstances, but a change in perspective. And then you layered yeah. and made a sort of think about, how well do I see this for myself? How hungry am I for this wisdom? Yeah. And that, that, again, struck me quite profoundly in the sense of uh, at what point do I pattern interrupt and change yeah. something um, and make, make a better balance? That's right, because I think that, you know, I mean, I'll give you a tragic example of that, because if you take the comedian Robin Williams, I mean, loved and admired by so many people and such a, you know, hilarious guy, you know, you know amazing movies. And if you if you asked... Everybody, you know, what do you think of Robin Williams? People say he's a fabulous actor, you know, so dearly loved. And yet behind the mm. facade of all that jokiness and the comedian and the incredible acting um, was obviously incredible pain and loneliness that, that led him to commit suicide. And so that's, you know, that, that just emphasises the fact that we need, we need outside help to, to get that change in perspective because... We tell us, you know, in our heads is, is a story that we're telling ourselves. And if it's the wrong story, I need other people. I need others around me to help me to think, well, actually, is this realistic what I'm saying? Does this actually um, connect with, with reality? 
Mm, and I mean, you must, um, in your practice, you must see people from all walks of life. And particularly in the last two years, obviously with the pandemic, I mean, are you noticing a shift in what clients, what patients are bringing to the table when they approach you for therapy or coaching, in fact? I think what I'm noticing is that there's a greater, well, I think it's going two ways, really. I think for one group of people, there's there's a sense of, okay, I really want to live a life of significance. I really want to make a difference with who I am and what I'm doing because I've been confronted with my own mortality or maybe the, the loss of others. And so there's a greater eagerness and desire to to look for deeper and, and more significant answers, you know, a search that search for wisdom. But also I think there's it's also going the other way as well in that people are thinking, well, you know, let me just where I want to live and just do what I want to do um, and, and and not think about it. And let's just, you know, you know, this kind of thing, you know, let's just get, get rid of the pandemic and let, let's, you know, now we're after the pandemic, let's just go back to what we were always doing and just live the way we've always done. Whereas I think actually it's given us a, a time to pause and reflect and think, hmm. is the way I'm living, is the life I'm living the same as the life within me that wants to live? It, it's that, it's those kind of questions and to live with a greater degree of intentionality and purpose. And yeah, I think we, there's those figures and it's called the great reset they're talking about in the US as well. A lot of people reevaluating the jobs and the work they're doing and thinking, do I really want to be doing this? And yeah. we've been forced, you know, things that we thought we would never do, you know, like work from home, for example, is now becoming normal. And people think, well, actually, I quite like the idea of spending some time at home and some time in the office. And it actually makes me more productive. It, it, it's, it's more fulfilling. I'm more connected with my family, I'm, you know, and I'm able to do better work as well for some people. That feels like, in some respects, there's more choices. Even though we've had restrictions, mm-hmm. it feels like it's sort of opened up the the box of life a little bit more. Yeah, and the yeah, more possibilities. The distinction yeah. between go out to work and come home to the family and friends and social life, um, yes. and that there's a more blurring of the boundaries now with people working from home. And then, um, yes. yeah, it just it as you said, it creates new challenges, but. Um, and you also talked, and I can't remember the context now, uh, apologies, but you talked about tame versus wicked problems. And I made a note oh, of that. Does yeah. that fit into this or is that something different? Well, I mean, it's, it's so, you know, tame problems are, are, are things that, although they're complicated, they, there's a system and process. So, for example, you know, um, doing, doing a coronary artery bypass graft, okay, is, is, you know, for you and me, it's complicated because we're not cardiac surgeons. But there is a process within which you go for each step of the way if you want to give somebody a coronary artery bypass graft. It's, you know, there, there have been, I don't know, hundreds of that, if not millions of those done all over the world. And so there's a system and there's a process. And so although it's complex in terms of you need training to do it, it is achievable and doable. You know, brain surgery, you know, a wicked problem is one whereby there are just so many other extraneous factors involved. I mean, I'll give you a wicked problem now that's very topical. You know, the whole everything going on in Ukraine between Russia and Ukraine. I mean, that's a wicked problem. You know, how do you deal with an aggressor in, in Russia treating the, the Ukraine the way that it's doing? That, that is a wicked problem because it's contingent on egocentric leadership. It's contingent on the irrationality and unpredictability. There's a lot of history behind it. Those are the wicked problems where you need yeah, you truly really do need infinite intelligence as to what, what is the wisest way to move forward. Shooting across to kind of the business uh, arena in that sense as well is wicked problems show up in the sense that not everything in business is, is operational and, and mechanical. You know, 
the mindset, the cultural, the the communication, you know, the collaborations and all of those things. I think that's where it becomes problematic and it's not straightforward to just do the steps. Right. Yeah, no, exactly. And and, yeah. and, and, with, and with the rise of technology as well, what technology has, has created is whole, whole industries are being phased out and new ones are coming in. And how do you manage that? You know, if, if you take, you know, you'll remember this, Jay, you know, remember when we used to have record players and then we had tapes and then we had CDs and then we had streaming and now we've got YouTube, that whole graduate. And then whatever the future will hold, you know, virtual reality, artificial intelligence, and then all the ramifications, not just how we engage with it, but also with other people engaging and what that raises and then the issues that that raises and the, and the challenges that raises. But those those become wicked problems because. Um, yeah, um, I feel that's what gives us this sense of, of the world in chaos. I mean, you talked about obviously what's going on in Europe, in business. I've just we've just sort of talked about and, and in our own lives, it, it feels very chaotic. And so I mm. think part of what we need to sort of move towards with the wisdom and dancing yeah. with it is yeah. to try and manage our own sense of chaos. That's um, right. And I think, and I think that, that's what I, people I, are struggling with. And I think in a, in a way of reassurance as well is that every generation, every age thinks it, it's never been harder or tougher than this. Charles Dickens in, in his Tale of Two Cities says it was the worst of times and it was the best of times. Yeah. In many ways, you know, this is one of the most exciting and best times to be alive. In terms yeah, of, you've you know, never had it so good kind of thing. Yeah. <laughs> Right, yeah, the resources, and it goes back to perspective, you know. And at the same time, the, the challenges are, are just as have never been greater. But we go back, we're human beings first. And I've got to be able to, as it were, stand back and make sure that I'm centered in terms of who I am, who I'm called to be, and what my role in the arena that, that, that God, infinite intelligence, universe has put me in, so that I can, as it were, put my best foot forward. That's my responsibility um, rather than, you know, giving in to the doom and gloom and, and, and everything like that. You know, that's the key role I've, I've got to play. In a way, the key things, the key sort of philosophies, if you like, as well, have, have not really changed in this regard. And I was fascinated, actually, by what you were saying, uh, again, about being more agile. And you talk about being comfortable with ambiguity and uncertainty. And of course, in entrepreneurship, that's the name of the game to some extent. And I think people who want everything pinned down and, you know, want everything to go well and and see success as as not kind of trial and error and learning, they're often the ones that that kind of get down quite quite quickly. And what you were suggesting is that people sit calmly in all that confusion. I know I've said that to some of my clients as well. It's like, just sit with it for a bit. You know, you don't have to fix everything straight away. Yeah, and I think it's the key thing is is not over-identifying with it. So if I don't know what the solution is or how to move forward, that's not a reflection on me. That's just what it is. Mm. And I think so often, and again, I think that this is a, a case, I think, with a lot of people who are successful, you know, in, in inverted commas, because the more successful you are and you have all the, you know, you have the, the degrees and the accolades and, 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 and the resources and financial success, it's very easy to then think, well, when, when I'm not getting, you know, when, when I don't know what to do, somehow or other, that's a failure on my part. Whereas, you know, was it Churchill's comment was success is going from failure to failure without loss of enthusiasm. So it's the willingness to say, OK, this didn't work out the way I planned or expected, but that's OK. You know, what's the next thing? What can I learn from this and, and how can I move forward? And another coach who I, who I admire, Dan Sullivan, says, um, I either win or I learn. That's it. 
Yes. Am I winning or am I learning? And, and I think that's the kind of perspective and mindset that we need to have as entrepreneurs, as business leaders, or even, you know, what, what the phrase is, succeeding in the game of work and the business of life. Mm. And I use those game of work and the business of life. Because yes, intertwine, rather, them. You know, rather, <laughs> intertwine them that way. Yeah, yeah, no, absolutely. And I mean, I was talking to to another client about resilience and and managing risk, and she was talking about doing your homework. And actually, it doesn't just happen by chance. You know, there's a lot of research that goes into managing risk and looking at you know what's coming ahead, so that you at least yeah. give yourself the best chance of success. Um, yes, you know, you're not failing with lack of evidence. Yes. Or the other quote is the I think it's Eisenhower's quote is that plans are useless, but planning is indispensable. Yeah, so that, you, uh, you fail to plan, you plan to fail. Yes, that's right, yeah. But yeah. the whole point um, is that is mindset. You, you, you take your thinking to another level. You get above, as it were, the, the, above the forest to try and at least attempt to look above and get more of a bird's eye view. And your, your view may not be accurate, but the fact that you're doing it opens you up to other possibilities and things that you'd never dreamt or thought possible before. Yeah, I, I mean, we, we, we talk about this a lot, but the difference between leadership and management, in fact, is that in, even in your business, you can end up just squeezing all the strategic level yeah. of sight and um, curiosity almost that allows you to sort of survive the bumps. And we get yeah. down in the weeds, we get bogged down with the busyness of the operation and chasing after things. And it feels very much like push energy, as one of my yeah. previous guests talked about, uh, Monique. Um Look, I know you're a qualified doctor psychiatrist. You're successful in your private practice. And, you know, we met through the business acceleration program, as I mentioned earlier. So you were building an online business um, as well. And I know it's all linked to the book and the podcast that you run and the YouTube channel. Um, Tell us a little bit about what made you kind of want to go out of the in-person working with people in practice to being online and and leveraging your wisdom that way. Good question. Why did I? It's funny. You know, you, what you realize is that um, working on one on one is great, but it, but you also realize how much of our world is in. You know, I think the phrase I use is we're we're most overstimulated, underreflected civilizations in the history of the world, and you see so many people making mistakes and struggling because of our lack of wisdom. But I realize that I'm only one person, and I can only do so much. And again one of the privileges that we have in this world that we live is that we can be connected online and there's wonderful resources that we can then bring out. And so this is my little attempt to try and get that out to, to other people because um, that needs to get out there. And I think we so much like, you know, we see the consequences of a lack of wisdom so much in people's lives. And I've experienced it myself and that's my motive is to try and find ways to share that. And I think business is, is one of the best ways to create a sustainable model of helping and serving others. And bringing them into that. I use the word dancing with wisdom because in a dance, you have to engage with your dance partner. And no matter how much you've done before, you've always got to think about the next step. And everything beforehand, as it were, informs what you're doing currently. But there's a degree of mystery and uncertainty about that. And, that, and you know, isn't that what, what our lives are, are like with such a degree of mystery and uncertainty? But we've got to keep putting our best foot forward. Um, yeah. I think wisdom, dancing with wisdom, uh, we may not know quite what the future holds, but I think wisdom and the person of wisdom, who is who I very much believe is knowable, um, can give us a confidence and security that nothing else in this life can. 
Yeah, I mean, I I, I love in a way that the way that we've traversed the the spiritual with the with the business, you know, the risk management in business. It's the same kind of concept. It's perspective. Uh, it's the way you approach things, um, from what I'm hearing. But I I think we're we're many of us amateurs at this. So I think you're giving well, us so, so many I, I would, so many. So hints. I, I think we all are. I think we all are. You know, yeah, yeah. You your... can talk about it intellectually, but it's then when when the rubber hits the road and the, and then the challenge hits. Well, that was my next question. Yeah. yeah. You know, what's your best advice for someone that's sort of starting out on this journey of wisdom? And, um, you know, obviously a lot of us um, in in business are are avid readers of personal growth, you know, personal development, business development as well. But, you know, whether it's navigating a life change or a sudden death, you know, a trigger of some kind or or they're just looking to start in a new direction for their career or business. I mean, it's probably two different answers. But what's your best advice for where do you actually start with this? Well, Apart from okay, reading your book. Being, without being too biased, obviously, I'd encourage you to get the book. <laughs> um, I also, I would link to that. Also, it's coming with an open mind and with the view of possibility. And as you read the book, it's accepting the fact that the answers are outside of yourself. And really doing that, in a sense, as best as one can to do that with a sense of humility there's a whole chapter in the book about the problem of ego and managing our ego and not having too much not having too little and the the fact that our world is increasing complex increasing you're the expert on your life you know you know what you've been through you you know you know the good the bad and the ugly of your own life but there are themes that are there there are patterns that are there and i think as you read that as you go through the workbook you can stop and reflect and think well what is life trying to teach me here? What are the lessons that, that I need to learn? Because you can only, as it were, see the next step. Again, to be honest, you know, I think you've, you've got to have this perspective, uh, this eternal perspective as well. And I've, I've very much come to the conclusion that it's through a personal relationship with God through Christ. But the book is open to anybody of any faith and any, any background. I said wisdom is timeless truths that connect you to the best version of who you are and who you long to be. It's those timeless truths that, that, that will point you, I think, to, to what your unique calling is. And the answers are there because, yeah, infinite intelligence, God, the universe knows you completely. And so it's an exciting journey. Um, th- there's a proverb in the Old Testament that says the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And it's fear not in the sense of, cowering terror uh, the best definition mm-hmm. of fear that i've come across is is the trembling joy and wonder that increases as i relate to god or what i call infinite intelligence universe as he really is not as i imagine him to be and so it's it's engaging with reality as it actually is and the wonder and the excitement of that because that involves your whole person your whole being um, and i think there's nothing more exciting really yeah. If you start digging into some of this, in the people that you've worked with um, in this particular area of dancing with wisdom, if you like, what are some of the short-term wins that people would start to notice when oh, they wow. open up to this? Yeah. I think it, it, it starts, you know, it's very much, it's, it's, it's an inside-out process. So it, what is inside will eventually manifest outwardly. So as I become at peace, first of all, with myself, with my creator, with those around me, and from a 
a victim mindset or, or an angry, bitter mindset, and I begin to, to actually work, take responsibility for myself, I can begin to start, as it were, by the grace of God, creating a life that empowers me and that, and that brings me the peace and the satisfaction and significance that we all long for. A word that encapsulates it is a Hebrew word, shalom. And shalom means multidimensional thriving, complete well-being. And the best definition I've come across is wholeness for the whole person, for the whole of life. And I get this, extending to the whole of the cosmos. So there's, there's a sense of, yeah, of, of oneness and peace. That Okay, there are things that don't make sense to me. There are things I'm struggling with. But ultimately, I know the universe has got my back. There's yeah. a kind of calmness that comes from that is what you're saying. Yeah, that's right, yes. And I think that's, I would say, from my own biblical Christian perspective, that's, that's through, the, through the person of the Holy Spirit. As the Holy Spirit comes within oneself, that you begin to know that although there's lots of unanswered questions, I know that ultimately, you know, there's a phrase from John Newton says that in Christ, our bad things can turn out for good. Our good things can never be lost. And the best is yet to come. So no matter what the sorrow, the sadness or disappointment in this life, the best is still is still to come. And I know that not because I'm a particularly good person or because I've tried hard, but because someone who is perfect has lived a perfect life and died for me and given himself for me. And so my confidence is not based on my perfect record, which is far from perfect, but based on his perfect record. And that's in a sense, that's where I put my confidence. I put my confidence outside of myself on someone who's lived that perfect life that I could never live. Do mm, I have calm and comforting now? Yes. Oh, right, calm and comforting. Yeah. It is. I th- yes. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's the way of managing the other sea, which is the chaos we talked about yes. earlier. Um, yes. So, so, so no, my, my punch question I ask all my expert guests, um, and it maybe follows a little bit from what you talked about as to why you wanted to reach more people and work in an online way. If you had a superpower that you could use to create leverage in your business, what would wow. you choose? Wow, so you, so you put me on the spot now. The superpower to leverage my business, what would I use? Wow, the superpower that I would use. I think what I would use is the superpower I would really want to have is to ask insightful questions that would get people to think for themselves and open the door to what they really want, what they really need. I think that's the to be able to ask insightful questions that would open people's hearts to divine possibility. I reckon you're using your superpower in your book and workbook if I'm not uh, yeah, completely over I, 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 yeah. I find it very powerful. Um, I mean, you know, for my own reflection. And so I, I, I reckon you're using your superpower as we speak. So. Okay, we, I, you did say to me before we, we were planning for this that you weren't going to tell me what the question was. So there we are. That's, <laughs> that's what goes, that's what is so is totally as it were. In yeah, the moment, no, it? that's a very good answer. And I think you're doing it. I think you're using it. So um I've absolutely loved our conversation. What what would be the best places apart from go get the workbook and the book on Amazon, yeah. I think. What are the best places people can go and check you out? Is that drsunil.com? Is, is, is the website and then the podcast and, and the YouTube channel is Dancing with Wisdom. Yeah, Dancing yeah. with Wisdom. So I'm sure you find find a whole load of things if you just search on on Dancing with Wisdom and Sunil Raheja. 
I'm sure everyone's got so much out of this. Definitely go over to the website, drsunil.com. That's D-R-S-U-N-I-L.com and forward slash workbook if you want to work through that. Although I would suggest that you get the book first and then do the workbook so you can explore it a little bit deeper and really start to take some practical steps forward. Hey, Sunil, thank you so much for being a splendid guest. It's been amazing. I love your wisdom. I love your insights and I've loved our conversation. Thank you so much, Jay, as well. And likewise, it's been great fun. Thank you so much. Take care. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the Leverage Business Podcast. Want to create leverage in your business? Did this episode provide some insights and ideas to be thinking through? If so, subscribe so you get alerts when the next one's released. If you want to learn more or would like help and support with building a leveraged business that achieves true freedom for you, then head over to jallison.com forward slash podcast to find all the resources and links that go with this show on my website and to join our iSuccess community. And if you're enjoying our content, it would be great if you could pop into Apple Podcasts or the app you listen from and leave me a rating and review. Everyone makes a difference to improving our rankings. So thank you if you've done that already. I appreciate you. So hey, that's it. Thank you for listening. I hope you've loved this episode and have some great takeaways to be thinking through. I wish you a pleasant, productive and profitable week. And I'll see you again next time for another episode of the Leverage Business Podcast.